Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey everyone, I am joined today by Kate Piper, LMFT, and we're continuing our series of when stuff happens in private practice. Thank you for joining us, Kate. Sure. I'm, I'm delighted. To be here, <laughs> One of the reasons why I asked Kate to join is we've been in this series and we've had a lot of like singular topics, you know, uh, loss of a partner, job loss, <clears throat> those kinds of things. What do we do when, in our practices? But for you, Kate, my experience of you is you've had a lot happen, like waves of it, you know, and you're, you handle it with, I don't know, such resilience and grace. I'm sure at the moment it doesn't feel that way, but you have so much wisdom to share on various things that happen. So I was hoping that everyone would get to know you and learn from that wisdom that you hold um, and that I appreciate so much from you as well. Well, I feel honored. I really feel honored, and I'm glad that what I'm putting out there is coming back to me, um, and and it's coming back to me that I'm a resilient person. But it, uh, one of my hashtags is hashtag be intentional, mm-hmm. because um, when you're going through the waves, and you're right, we've gone through waves of seizure disorder. Um, sexual assault, uh, heart attack man, um, and uh, uh, multiple car accidents, and then some colleague betrayal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then finally, we're on the journey through um, breast cancer, mm-hmm. which you're aware of, but mm-hmm. not like the whole world is aware of until now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's coming back to me is that um, people see me as somebody who has resilience and a, a dash of sense of humor. Yes, that's for sure. I can't, I can't even imagine going through um, our lives and not having a sense of humor. And it's, it's good that um, that's coming back to me right now with my clients too, that I'm a resilient person and that I model being compassionate for my clients and um, taking really good care of myself. They see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure whoever listens to this is going to see it too, because you can't help but spend five minutes with Kate and know like she does handle things with humor. She's a tough cookie, (laughs) but she'll make you laugh in the process. So we kind of, we kind of have a first responder humor, you know, with first responders right now. Yes. our family, um, our whole family, we have a, I have a family of six, so I have four kids and my husband, and then I have one grandson, and I have one, um, I, we find out today whether it's a boy or a girl, oh. I have another grand, grandbaby on the way, and um, we do, we have, a, we have a first responder sense of humor, so if you're around our family for any length of time, if you're with me, I have to um, remember that not everybody has been through 
all the things that we've been through and I have to um, censor my sense of humor. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your practice. Like when did you go into private practice and what do you, I, I, I'm ancient. So <laughs> I went into practice in 2000. I was working for a gentleman um, who had a really nice private practice here in the Sierra foothill area and um, a wonderful man. But I let him know that I had a vision of being in private practice and starting a nonprofit counseling center because mm -hmm. having four kids and a husband wasn't really enough <laughs> for me. So, um, and it, it was a vision that, you know, like most of us, um, life had, uh, life had challenged me from a, an early age. And so when I presented that vision to this gentleman, he said, um, no, not on my watch. And I, I said, okay, then I guess we're going to part ways. And we parted ways, but I still, I still respect him. I, I love what he taught me as a supervisor and as a, a gentleman. I, and I think one of the things that I really liked, I, and this is going to segue into one of the hurdles that I went through. Um, he knew that I had built up his business. And um, so he asked me, I gave him this, this people might think that this is ridiculous, but he, I, I gave him two months notice mm. and he asked me for four and I gave him four because I thought that that was, um, he had been with our family through at that time. Uh, he had been through our family, um, through, uh, seizure disorder. And, um, I think, yes, he had, no, I came to him shortly after my daughter had been out of a coma. Mm -hmm. So my two-year-old daughter, when I was an intern, was in a coma for three days. Oh, yeah. So, so at that, so I had a lot of respect for him. Oh, never mind the stalker. I forgot the stalker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. How could I forget the stalker? Um, he had also supported me through, um, really supported me through the stalker. He showed up to court with me. Um, he was just a really great supervisor. I mean, the, the kind of supervisor that I want to be for my supervisees and believe I have been for my supervisees. I mean, so, so early, just starting on, before you even launch the thing, you're experiencing being a therapist going through serious crisis. Yeah. I think the first crises I experienced yeah, the first ex crisis I experienced as an intern was my two-year-old daughter had fallen off of a bunk bed and was life-flighted to um, UC Davis, the local hospital, children's hospital, and was in a coma for three days. And that wasn't in my house, um, but she, nevertheless, she fell off of a bunk bed. And... Um, that was the first one of managing my family and my private practice. As an intern, I was seeing about 15 clients at that time. And what did that your supervisor help you with in that? Like, just from the offset, like, did you get support from your supervisor? And um, my, my supervisor at that time, um, that was a different supervisor mm -hmm. and he happened to be a single gentleman 
and uh, but he gave me a lot of support. He didn't exactly help me with um, how to manage my clients' reactions ah. because it went public. It went public because um, so it went on the prayer chains like across the United States. Really, it was just mm. like um, people knew that she was in this coma, and um, I had clients asking me about my daughter the mm. same thing happened when my son was having seizures so then fast forward I'm with a different supervisor and my son was having um, 50 to 100 seizures a day and that was about three years later and I was with a different supervisor mm -hmm. and um, that would happen periodically too where clients would ask me about my son because we live in a small community and they would find out about a seizure disorder. So I, ha I had to, um, plus having four children, I had to be prepared and I still have to be prepared that clients know things about me because I'm, I'm known in the community. Um, so it's kind of, it's, uh, I like to give my clients the information from me and let them know I have a good support system. Even if I'm thinking, Oh, Holy, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And I have to develop a different support system you know, mm. for each, each tragedy that we've been through. It's like, okay, um, who's been through seizure disorder and who's been through head trauma. And when my daughter was um, in head trauma, when she was recovering from her head trauma, um, one of the things that I did is I called Daniel Amen, and that was in Dr. Daniel Amen, mm -hmm. and that was in 1994. Mm -hmm. So it was way, let's see, 90, yeah, 94. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was, he was amazing, and he was really wonderful with advising me right then what he would recommend for my daughter. So mm -hmm. Sometimes when we're going through really difficult circumstances, we can reach out to experts in our field and they will actually support us. I love that. And I love that yeah. you have, I wouldn't have ever thought that to be honest. Like, you know, I think there's a, a tendency for us when we are stressed, not all of us, but some of us I'll speak for myself can go more inward and like, Oh, I'll just take it to my own therapist and that's it. Or, you know, don't, you know, blank slate in the session kind of stuff. But yeah. I think you learned very early on firsthand is that's just not reality and that clients are going to have reactions to what's going on with you. Well, and, and then I can model, you know, like a good mom, kind of like a good mom, you, you know, um, I'm going through this. Yes, I'm going through this. And um, do you have any questions for me about this? And I let my clients ask, ask questions and then I answer. And some of the, some of the, um, just recently about my breast cancer, uh, one of client was say, asked me, you know, well, how are you doing today? And I said, today isn't a really good day to ask me how I'm doing. I I'm getting support and I'm doing okay. And I'm keeping hope, but I didn't want to say I'm really having an existential crisis and <laughs> And right after this, I, I think I'm going to like, I don't know, explode on somebody about this whole situation. Right. I, I, I think throughout the years, and it has to, it's not going to be perfect when you're going through difficult circumstances, but throughout the years, 
I've learned, um, okay, you found this out. You found out that my daughter was in a, a head trauma, or you found out that my son had a seizure disorder, or the heart attack was really hard when my husband had his massive um, heart attack and emergency triple bypass and valve repair and all of that. He always, he always wants me to add on emergency because it's not <laughs> enough that he had a heart attack. It's a, it's an emergency triple bypass and valve mm -hmm. repair. Um, I think that was the most difficult thing time for me because um, it's a little like what I'm going through right now. It's um, so when we've gone through the seizure disorders and when we've gone through the seizures and when we've gone through the head trauma, my husband and I had each other supporting us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we're good. We're a good team. You know, we've been through, we've been through hell, but um, we're a good team. Um, but when it's, when it's, I'm managing my clients, my reaction, and then my husband and I are, we're like supporting each other and we're still going through it. That's when it, it's a, it's a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, for yeah. sure. You've lost your yeah. teammate in a sense. Yeah. You've, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've had your practice since the 90s then? Oh, I've been an intern since the 90s. I've had my private practice since 2000. I'm sorry. When did you form your nonprofit? Um, 2001. Okay. And then through Forever. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> and how would, would you say like the stuff you've been through in life has informed your practice as well? Like, do you find that you, I don't know, that just who you serve? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, it, it, it's who I won't, who isn't a really good fit for me right now. Um, Sometimes, you know, the, um, not the worried well, but the worried entitled well, mm -hmm. that's just not my ideal client. Yeah. Uh, the worried well, I can, um, I can sit across from and I can have compassion for them. And, uh, but the, the worried entitled well, I, I, it's not a good idea for me to sit across from them for, right. for too long. Yeah, but, but, but I it really helped me. It helped yeah. me identify. Yeah. And then working with trauma. Yes. I was going to be an EMDR therapist. I'm yes. Right. So I'm certified EMDR. And now this weekend, I begin my consultant and training cool. EMDR um, process. So I'm really excited. I'm helping to train um, therapists to do EMDR. I'm a coach this weekend at a training. Right. And then I do um, critical incident stress management and debriefing. And I work for the CHP. And then I work with uh, firefighters and other first responders. And I love that work because it's, um, I love all of that work. I love showing up, being of help, and then saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it energizes me. I was thinking too about like you had a teen, what was it? A parenting group. Was that what it was? You had a parenting yes, group. Yes, I do. I do the parent project. I still do the parent project. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, tonight I'll be um, doing a class. I, my husband said 
that, and you will probably understand this. Um, my husband said just this last weekend, he said, the problem is you're, you're good at too many things. <laughs> well, I would, well, and it's not. <laughs> okay. It's not that I haven't niched. It's that when I started out, I worked with parents and children, right? And I niched parents and children and I was known in this area and in our, and in our community for parents and children. You know, I was the go-to person for that. Um, and then, you know, as I evolved, I, I moved into couples and really working really well with couples and really working with their families. And EMDR for me was, um, for me personally, right? When I went for the training for EMDR, um, I found it so powerful for me personally that I went to an EMDR therapist and just, oh, wow, I, it was just amazing. So I love doing EMDR and use it as a tool to integrate with my clients. And I'm, I'm really passionate about it. But it's also a tool. It's like a power tool. And I'm really partial about it. So it's a power tool that you don't give to a toddler. You know, it's kind of like my Sawzall that I got for Mother's Day. You don't give the Sawzall to my six-year-old grandson. <laughs> so EMDR to me is also a tool that in the hands of a really good therapist who really understands trauma can um, relieve a lot of symptomology that clients have. So anyway. I think, well, to that point, what I've noticed about you, I, I agree that you are an example of longevity in practice and how diversity comes over time. But also what I see are pieces of your story in the different ways you've served, you know, uh, like the parenting stuff. You've been through a lot with teenagers. Um, you've had, you had several children like on the other side of it, <laughs> you know, all of that. I think, um, it just comes with living life and your life experience has informed some of these well, um, established ways of serving your community over time, you know, and, and it makes sense to me that you've taken what you've been through and it's informed how you help others. Right. And, and I think one of the things that it helps is that I don't know. So even though I'm, you know, I have, uh, I've had four teenagers and, and praise God, my last one just turned 18. Yay. <laughs> um, I can see the end of the tunnel. Um, I, I know when I'm sitting across from someone, I, I've, I'm a seasoned enough therapist that I know I don't know their story. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I think my children taught me that. Mm. So even though each child is a lot like I am in, in different regards, it's like they teach me that I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're feeling. And it's just a constant um, learning experience and then translate that into my practice it's a constant learning experience if I'm sitting across from somebody who's going through trauma of whatever kind they're going through. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a constant learning experience. Um, even though the skills, I might have the skills, uh, 
I'm wise enough to know that I don't know. Yeah. So tell me about when, like, let's say your husband's heart attack and things like that. What happens with your own work? Does it become like, how do you handle your private practice when you're in the midst of something so intense like that? Um, I have really good people around me. That's one of the things that that's one of the first things. So regardless of what's happened in my community, I have, I have outstanding friends that um, I have, I would say one in Canada, or not Canada, Colorado, one, she's now in New Mexico, and one in Southern California that I can call, and oh, and one in Kansas. I'm afraid I'm going to miss one. Um, <laughs> but I have really good friends around me who've known me forever, who I can call up and I can cuss and I can say, this is nuts. Oh, my friend in Reno. I'm so sorry. Um, but I can say, this is ridiculous. This is nuts. I, I can't believe this. And now I'm going to, uh, go do counseling and listening, listen to other people's problems. So that's one of the things that's just mandatory. Um, there's a, there's a parable in the Bible. I, uh, there's a story in the Bible that where somebody had, somebody wants healing. And the, the thing that they have to do is they have to get to who's going to heal them. And um, I have good, what, what you would call carpet, carpet carriers, you know, who will kind of pick me up and um, let me cuss and let me pray and let me yell and let me cry. So I, and then plus, I've always had a good therapist. So even if I've had to um, switch therapists, I've had, I've had really good therapists that I can go to and process. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you find, like, were you able to take time off when you needed to? Or was that just not an option sometimes? When my husband had his heart attack, I... I'm looking at it now and probably for the last two years, I've wondered how I really made that through. I think one of the things that helped is um, I had, I had other therapists working in my practice. I had um, two men and a woman and then my assistant at that time in my practice was, they were an amazing support and they understood don't touch me, you know, because if you, if you came up and hugged me in the middle of the day, um, it would be possible that the rest of the day was, was done. I couldn't reconnect back for my clients. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. So I did have to take time off periodically. Um, and I really had to manage myself 
really carefully and be really intentional about focusing on my clients. And I can't say that it wasn't it, that it, it was easy. It was really difficult, but especially with my husband having recovering from his heart attack, there, there wasn't an option. I was, I didn't have days off, you know, um, I take little times off, um, but not, I mean, looking back on it, I wish I would have uh, called up the community and said, I need six weeks off. Somebody fundraise for me. Mm-hmm. That would have been really smart, but right. I didn't do that. I, I got the kids to school, went to work, um, made meals for my husband, got the kids to school, went to listen to you know, clients, be there for clients, pick the kids up, take them home get dinner ready and then I'd go back to see a few more clients Mm -hmm. but yeah and that's where my um I think most people who know me know I run I swim yes um I bike and that's where that became a top priority I mean um it was like you can't interfere with my running you can't interfere with my if I have a swim planned if I have a bike um you know it's like that sacred territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are a triathlete for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think so through the course of being in practice this long, do you feel like you've gotten better at coping or managing when stuff happens? Cause more stuff has oh. happened since your husband's heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've gotten better at it. I've gotten better at, uh, this is a season and it's going to pass mm. and I've gotten better at, um, letting my clients know, um, you, you don't have to care for me. Um, I've gotten much better at that. This is a season it's going to pass and I'm here for you. And I appreciate that you care about me, but you don't have to support me. I'm getting really good support. Um, yeah, at, at first, I don't think I, well, you don't know how to do that. Like when my daughter went in the um, coma, mm-hmm. I know I did good work at that time. Um, I probably took more time off when my daughter went in the coma than I did when my husband had his heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, the other thing, Kelly, is I can't work with clients who expect perfection. Mm-hmm. And I let them know that right at the start, you know, like, um, I think when you and I met, I was really feeling shameful that, um, sometimes I run five minutes late mm. and, or, or maximum like 10 minutes late. Right. But, um, I learned, I learned with having the four kids and especially with seizures, you yeah. know, when you're having seizures and stuff like that. I kind of, I kind of developed this mindset of, I respect, I respect people's time and I respect my time. But if we're talking about being perfect, then I'm not the therapist for you because, um, I don't think it's realistic. And so I, but I let clients talk about that and I talk about that. And I also just, kind of bottom line it if if you're expecting you know your appointment to be at 10 o'clock on the nose and not 
sometimes five after 10 and not me, you know, being there waiting for you, um, then I'm probably not the best therapist for you because mm. my life, um, I haven't been able to do that in my life. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I could be out the door and on time and then, um, a seizure happens or a, a kidney stone happens or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it's, it's been really kind of, and maybe in another, um, now with, it's interesting because when I'm working for agencies and organizations, I'm there early. Um, but in my private practice, I, I let my clients know, Hey, if you come five minutes late, it's okay with me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get all uptight 15 minutes late. We're going to have a discussion. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the things is I cannot work with people who don't want to work through their perfectionism. Mm -hmm. If they, if they're, if they come in and they see perfectionism is an issue, then I'm happy to work. I'm probably a really good therapist to work with. Them to on challenge that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you say we're going to have some fun? <laughs> Would you say that, um, I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but when there was like stuff with colleagues and things like that, was that a different kind of stress than when it's your family and it's health or, you know, relationships, like your personal relationships versus, um, with a colleague? Colleague betrayal. That's what we would say. Okay. That like was it. really hard. Yes, that was really hard. And I, um, even today, as I was thinking about it on my run, I was, you know, because I was thinking about talking with you. And I want to be a person and I intend to be a person who still gives a blessing to those people. Um, and that was really hard because I had had uh, two people working for me and had seen one of them supervised them internship through uh, licensure and one of them trainee through licensure and um, man when they left it it wasn't good and I don't want to discuss like yeah I don't no, no, expose no. what they did yeah but it wasn't good and that was hard for me uh, to contain because I had not only I had my clients and my clients, some of my clients were connected to their clients. Mm -hmm. Like we always had a team. Mm -hmm. So I would maybe see a wife and then the husband would see a gentleman there or a fa another family member. So that was really, really awkward. And um, clients knew that something was up mm. and that something had happened. And um, I had to really walk through that very intentionally and not disclose uh, what, what had happened. Um, some clients who'd known me for a long time know that I'm a person who, I have a lot of integrity. I do, if I have a problem with somebody, I'm going to call them up, I'm going to sit down with them and I'm going to say, hey, can we talk about this? You know, yeah. even if it means we're gonna part ways. Um, like my previous supervisor, like I had talked about, even if it means, wow, really, you think that I'm that integral in your business that I need, you want me to stay for two more months, we're going to have that discussion. So that was, that was devastating. And actually, um, you and, and um, Amanda were just such a godsend in that, and when that happened, 
because yeah. I was in the middle of uh, business school boot camp the first time when that happened. And the therapist in the community actually really supported me in the business school boot camp of yeah. just um, that's, you know, kind of validating that's not um, just, it, it wasn't ethical. It, it wasn't yeah. integrity. That yeah. your reaction was appropriate to the circumstance. And I think too, like, yes. um, but I think what can feel different is like, personally speaking, when something has happened in my own personal life, it feels like, okay, I can manage that. But when it happens with a colleague, it feels a little less like I have any sense of control. I know control is all elusive, but it feels like it's more impactful on the practice. Like it could, it could hurt my practice more than what happens in my personal life and my own stress. I can take care of myself, but if someone on the outside is, you know, whatever it could it feels like it has more of an impact on um you know referrals and all of that kind of stuff and you're in a small town too so it's i'm sure it was yeah more stressful very awkward very awkward mm -hmm. but the thing that i i still i still have this policy i have this policy that people can ask me whatever they want and i'm not going to expose someone else but you can ask me anyone, anything you want about me. And um, that, that, that policy probably really helped navigate through that. And, mm. um, and I still, I mean, I still get calls for the gentleman today, mm -hmm. which is, uh, it, you know, and I always just say, uh, I'm sorry, they no longer work for me or they no longer work here. And I'm afraid they did not give me the information of where they're practicing. Mm -hmm. And um, I would encourage you to look them up um, under their licensure. Mm -hmm. you know, the, I, I say something very polite and very professional and leave it right. like that. Right. So I think one of the, the, I think that's so wise how you said like, I send them a blessing. Like you still, absolutely. You have good boundaries, but you also got support from other clinicians who were not involved in the situation so they could be a little bit more objective about you know what is going on because sometimes we can get when we're in stress um our worst fears become reality in our mind you know like oh this is all gonna fall apart now i remember that piece a little bit kate like when you were going through it like i'm it's ruined it's all <laughs> like it felt devastating um and so having some, yeah. reaching out for support and a plan um, on the business well, side. Well, in reality, yeah, go ahead. Well, reality is two thirds of my, um, well, two thirds, 50% of the business walked out the door. Yeah. Then um, with, they wanted to give me two weeks notice, yeah. even though our contracts had six weeks notice. Yeah. And I said, no, you're going to have to give me four weeks notice. Yeah. Which, it, it, it kind of didn't matter. Right. But you know, something that's exciting about that is just this, um, just in this last month, I sat down with a businessman, a local businessman, and I took out a business loan to mm -hmm. get me through um, this next little episode that I'm going through. And then also to build back up sale counseling services. I'm just mm -hmm. being really intentional about it. Right. And it was interesting because I let, I let 
the, the businessman and his wife, my husband and I sat across from them and I could sit across from them and I could talk to them with integrity about what the business has been through yeah. in 17 years. Yeah. And, and really, if I needed to close down Selah Counseling Services, which I don't, I don't see that happening right now. Mm -hmm. I see it going forward and building back up. But if I needed to, I know I could walk away and I know that I could say, we've done some really great work in this community. And um, man, I gave it my, my best shot. And, mm -hmm. and we've done some great work in the community. So I felt really good about sitting down with this businessman and asking him for the business loan and, and saying, oh, and, and by the way, before you agree to give me this business loan, after you've heard what all we've been through in the last um, two or three years, um, I also want to let you know I have breast cancer. And um, I'm going to be walking through that in the next three months, but in, in three to six months. But in, in six months, I, or in three, three to six months, I don't see that as being, I mean, I know my life's going to change. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not... I'm not so delusional that life's not going to change. <laughs> right. Um, but I know life's going to change. And, but I know that I, I know there's perseverance and I know that there's hope on the horizon and it might be that I just need to, um, somebody's going to use my office 50% of the time or somebody's going to use my office two thirds of the time. Yeah. So I, I felt, I felt like, um, and I still feel, I believe that integrity is really, really important. If you don't, if you don't have integrity, um, and you, you, and that's like, uh, who is it? Um, it's not Ellie Weisel. It's, um, the, uh, sorry, the Holocaust survival Frankel, mm -hmm. you know, he talked about, he talked about the one thing that, um, that people can't take away from you is your freedom to choose your attitude. And so I also think that people can't take away my freedom to choose my attitude and people can't take away my freedom to choose my integrity. So um, I, that's, that's really important to me. Like hashtag a brave, compassionate journey. <laughs> I did that's have chills though. <laughs> you gave me chills <laughs> talking about it. Oh, yay. Because I, I think, like I recall, the colleague betrayal, and yes, it was a big hit to your practice, and big you hit. rebuilt. Every single time you've rebuilt back up. And every single time, Kate. Yeah, and, and it's, it's been really cool because um, I, uh, even though people have tried to, like, mm, tried to undermine my name. It, I mean, if you, if you hang on to your integrity, I think you can, you can get through it. Right. You can get through that. You can get through the crazy Yelp reviews. <laughs> remember the, yes. the crazy Yelp review about me. I do. Crazy. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I like to say, you know, I love that. Like love wins when yes. you, um, are loving and kind and have that integrity, it'll always win. It may take a long time to see the win, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it does. And I think your life is proof of that. And what I've watched you walk through 
run through, swim through, fight through, you know, numerous times. And I know we're not getting into all the details of all the different things you've been through, but I think people can just hear your story and get a taste. Like there's a lot, there's a lot that in a lifetime of a practice that you yourself as a human can experience, it will impact your practice and you can come back from it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, and you can, um, you know, people don't need to know that you've been through all of this shiz. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that they experience it. I yeah. think that it shows up in the room with me. Yeah. Um, it shows up in being able to be quiet and, and being patient and um, not just talking about self-care. But um, my clients know that I, they do. They know I live out self-care. Every once in a while, they will express a little concern because I run on a country road and I bike on a country road and they're like, that's not self-care. <laughs> the road I live on. I can't help it. So, yeah. Anyway. So if someone's listening to this and they feel like they've been hit wave after wave after wave, what do you want them after to After wave <laughs> after wave. Um, wow. What do I want them to know? I, you know, I want them to know, um, I want them to know that it's okay to fall down seven times and get up eight. I want them to know that each time that they fall down, that um, there's no shame in having your face like completely in the mud and completely just thinking, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't think I'm getting up from this one. And it's okay to reach out for help. And it's okay to take some time out for yourself. Um, and you can get up eight times, fall down seven, get up eight. Um, d don't worry about, um, try to have a good attitude, but there's going to be days where you're not going to have a good attitude, you know, where it's like, this sucks. I don't want to walk through this and, um, and, and be around people who can, can, can appreciate you being real. And if it's, if you're around people who can't tolerate you being real, um, get new friends. But th that's what I would say. I would say there's no shame in falling down seven times. I, I don't know if you added it up, if we've been through, so, so seizure disorder. I mean, we've been through thousands of seizures, head trauma, um, the life flight, the coma, the, in both of my parents dying. So now we're up to four. Then the um, emergency triple bypass and valve repair. That's five. So we've been beyond seven. We've been beyond seven. Yes. And that's what I would say is fall down seven times, get up eight and get really good friends around you. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and I would also say from what I've learned from you, it's just, um, some point you have to laugh about it, <laughs> like the ridiculousness of it. Oh like, yeah. Humor does carry you through. And I think also like you have always been someone who has been really honest about like, this is what I'm struggling with and been open for getting help more and more. I've, you know, like, I, and I think so many people sit in silence. And so I hope 
that they hear from you that reaching out, like having your people that you can call is important. And um, the practice will always can rebuild itself. It really can, you know, but yeah. you, there's only yeah. one you <laughs> like, and you've got to take care of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Kate, thank That's you so much. Yeah. You are very welcome. You I mean, very welcome. you inspired me and I've, I've loved um, just watching you go through life and how you, I don't know, all the amazing stuff you do in your community. It's really phenomenal. I'll put the, your information down below if people want to check out <clears throat> your, your uh, practice and things like that. And here's to the Thank next you. getting up out of the mud again. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah. It's just an honor to work with you. All right. Take care. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.